It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense, all in more or less plain English. Podcast number 861 for the 15th of December, 2023. This week, because digital photographs are free, we take a lot of them, and that can be a problem when we want to find one particular image among tens of thousands on the computer. A new version of Xire Photo adds artificial intelligence that helps a lot. In short circuits, anybody who operates a web domain on one of the big hosting services may occasionally have trouble with email messages being rejected as spam or just being quietly deleted. Using a separate dedicated SMTP service can eliminate the problem, possibly without cost. Stardock software has applications that can make your Windows computer look better, some that can make the computer work better, and some that do both. We'll take a look. And 20 years ago, only on the website, was the 2003 version of Microsoft's Office Suite just another pretty face? Compared to what we have today, the Office Suite was small and plain, but the growth pattern was obvious. If you've been using a digital camera for more than a few years, you probably have a lot of saved images. Unlike film photography, digital images are essentially free once you've paid for the camera. That means we take a lot of pictures, and that means sometimes finding the one image you need can be difficult. Consider the extent of the problem. With digital images starting in the late 1990s and thousands of film images back to the 1950s that I've converted to digital, my photo catalog contains more than 75,000 images. I've tried to be careful about keeping them organized. There's one folder for every year in the digital era. Within each folder, there's a folder for each month. Sometimes there are individual folders for large events such as weddings. Scanned images from old prints and negatives weren't nearly as easy to organize, though. They're definitely harder to find. Take 2013, for example. I have 8,115 images from that year. There are month folders for each of the 12 months, but some months have more than one folder. August has the general folder, and then one folder each for trips to the Wilds and the Franklin Park Conservatory. Phyllis challenged the family to participate in taking pictures of specific subjects that month, so there is a specific picture challenge folder, and one day gets its own folder, a wedding that I photographed for one of my younger daughter's friends. So it's relatively easy to find an image from the wedding or the wilds or Franklin Park Conservatory, Inniswood, Metro Gardens, Slate Run Park, and it wouldn't be too difficult to locate some pictures from Easter. But what if I needed an image of Phyllis and me standing in front of a car? Now, I know that such an image exists from the 1970s, so it was originally on film and it's been scanned. The image would be somewhere among those 75,000 plus images on the D drive. The library menu in Lightroom Classic offers plug-in extras where several Xfire search functions are listed. Search by example photo won't work because I don't have a sample of the image I'm looking for. Keyword, faces, and people searches seem like possible options. 
Using the keywords option with two faces and car, XIR returned 70 images, but none of them was the one I was looking for. When I tried searching with faces, I specified two adult faces, and XIR suggested 3,237 images. Some of the images had two faces, many of the others had only one face, or many faces. And once again, the image I was looking for was not present. So, then I tried XIR Photo, the standalone application. XIR Photo includes an artificial intelligence option, so I asked for two people in front of a car. 100 suggestions came back, one of which was the one I was looking for. But there was a problem. XIR Photo doesn't communicate well with Lightroom Classic. Open With would send the image to Photoshop 2023, but it's listed twice in the drop-down list, and it actually opens Photoshop 2024. It could send it to Affinity, either Designer, Publisher, or Photo. It could send it to Urfanview. It could send it to Illustrator 2024, or to Lightroom. But I rarely use Lightroom. I prefer to start all digital photo editing in Lightroom Classic. XIR Photo offers an option to choose an application, so I navigated to Lightroom Classic and selected it. Well, that opens the application and selects the proper directory and the desired photo, but it wants to import the image. It's already imported. It's already in the catalog. Why couldn't it just open? XIR Search would have opened the image, but it wasn't able to find it. XIR Photo could find it, but couldn't open it in Lightroom Classic. Well, there's a workaround, and it's pretty easy. Right-click the image and choose Show in Folder. That identifies the location of the image file, and I can use that information to open the file in Lightroom Classic. XIR Photo also offers to search using GPS locations. Smartphones and many new cameras include GPS information, and that can be quite helpful in locating vacation photos. To use the GPS function, select the location and specify the radius in miles or kilometers. So it seems that you need to have both XIR Search and XIR Photo if you want the best results. Each application has its own database, so all of your images must be initialized for each application. This takes a long time, possibly more than 24 hours, and it creates large database files. Importing, analyzing, and cataloging more than 75,000 files took nearly 22 hours, and it created a catalog with 151,000 files in 2,500 folders, consuming 18 gigabytes of disk space. Despite the compatibility problems, which actually sound a lot worse than they really are, the two applications work together for photographers who base their workflow on Lightroom Classic. Those who use other applications and other workflows will find just XIR Photo alone to be well worth the cost. And speaking of cost, both the 2022 and 2024 versions of XIR Photo are available, but it seems to me that the GPS and AI functions available in the 2024 versions are worth the slightly higher cost. To find out more about XIR Search or XIR Photo, visit the XIR website. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. 
You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, if you use Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo, or any other email service, you probably don't encounter many delivery problems. But if you have your own domain and use the hosting service's email transmission system, you might occasionally receive bounce messages that claim you sent spam. Worse, some of your messages might simply disappear quietly. As bad as bounce messages are, having the message deleted without notice is worse. Some internet service providers do just that, and it's an action that should be illegal. It's the email equivalent of having the U.S. Postal Service simply throw away letters and postcards. There is a relatively easy solution to this problem, but I think it's important to understand why the problem exists. Most internet service providers place many users on a single server. My domains live on Bluehost, and each server gets a box number. My accounts are currently on box 2219. The domains all have their own IP address, but the simple mail transport protocol server at Bluehost uses the IP address assigned to box 2219. The IP address is what spam monitoring services use, so when somebody who has an account that's hosted on box 2219 at Bluehost sends a lot of spam, organizations such as Spam House flag the IP address as a spammer for up to 72 hours, and any email sent from that IP address may be bounced or deleted, depending on the policies implemented by the receiver's mail system and whether that mail system subscribes to the specific monitoring system that has raised its spam flag. A lot of things have to go wrong before your messages are bounced or trashed, but it does happen. Bluehost works to identify bad actors, close their accounts, and then work with the spam monitoring service to get the block turned off as soon as possible. Avoiding the problem involves using some other service to send mail. Several bulk email services allow companies and individuals to use their SMTP service without charge for a small number of messages. Small is usually a fairly large number. I tried several of these services and found SMTP to go to work quite well. The free plan allows up to 1,000 messages per month, no more than 200 per day, and I send far fewer than that because the TechBiter newsletter is transmitted using another bulk mail service, MailChimp, which doesn't allow users to send ad hoc or transactional mail through their server. The free plan maintains five days of reports that show when messages were delivered and whether the messages were opened by the recipient. For 10 bucks a month, the service allows 10,000 emails and maintains 30 days worth of email reporting history. SMTP to go seems to be a well-run organization and the information it provides about sent messages is useful. You'll see when the messages are delivered and when they were opened. That can be important information. Additional information is shown for each message on three tabs. The Timeline tab shows when a message was sent, when it arrived at the destination services, and when it was opened. 
If the message was opened more than once, you'll see a time for each event. The Details tab shows the username that was active when the message was sent, who sent the message and to whom, the subject line, the date, the size of the message, and the outbound IP address. The Headers tab displays the full routing headers from your computer through the SMTP to Go system to the recipient's system. Other reports show usage over time, summary information, and if you have a paid plan, an archive that includes the content and attachments of your emails. The dashboard shows a line graph illustrating the number of messages sent per day compared to the number of messages opened. If a message bounces or a recipient reports your message as spam, you'll see a count about that there too, along with the number of messages sent during the current billing period. And there is a billing period even for accounts that are free. Setting up SMTP to go involves entering server details into the settings of your email software, such as Thunderbird or Outlook, clear and concise setup instructions for most email programs and scripting languages are provided. SMTP to go has been in business since 2006. They deal with blacklist monitoring, reverse DNS, DKIM, ISP throttling, blocked ports, and feedback loops with major email providers such as Yahoo, AOL, and Hotmail. In other words, even if that sentence meant absolutely nothing to you and was just a jumble of letters, they take care of all the background activities for you. Nearly 30 years ago, StarDock software launched with a fun utility that allowed users of Windows computers to make them look like they were running OS2, or Mac, or Steve Jobs' $6,500 Next computer. The process is called skinning, and it replaces the basic built-in graphic elements with ones provided by window blinds. And if you'd like to know more about window blinds, Stardock does have a historical summary. You can check it out on the Stardock website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Well, anyway, since then, I lost track of the company and just kind of presumed that, like so many companies from those days, it had created a one-hit wonder, wasn't able to follow up, and faded away. Well, that was wrong. Between then and now, Stardock has created a lot of games, launched amusing utilities that can be very useful, and has partnered with other companies to offer a wider range of products. In the TechBiner Worldwide program on December 1st, I described Start11, a utility that corrects many of Microsoft's poor choices regarding the Start menu. Microsoft has been working to improve its Start menu, but Stardock gets more things right, despite some lingering bugs. The company combines many of its utilities in a $40 per year subscription package that can be installed on up to five computers. After the first year, the price drops to $30 annually. In coming weeks, I'll tell you more about some of the components in the Object Desktop package, most of which can be licensed individually if you want just one or two of them. The package includes Window Blinds 11. Yes, after all these years, there's still Window Blinds. It includes Start 11, Groupie 2, Deskscapes 11, Fences 5, Multiplicity, Icon Packager, Cursor FX, Sound Packager, and the Spacemonger utility. 
Some of the changes that can be accomplished with these applications are little more than cosmetic, a little eye candy. But, you know, we spend a lot of time in front of our computers, so it seems reasonable to make them appealing to look at. Others, such as Start 11 and Fences, fundamentally change the computer's operation, I think, for the better. Next week, we'll take a look at Cursor FX, and some of the others are on the schedule for January. You don't need to make any fundamental changes to view 20 years ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website. This week, we look back to 2003, when Microsoft's Office Suite was much smaller than it is today. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>